You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is both by rural leaders and for rural leaders. Every week, we try and bring you content that is not only speaking to exactly where you're at, but is spoken by people who get it, who understand what it's like to do good things and God's work in small places. And so if you're tuning into this podcast and you are a rural pastor or a volunteer or you taught Sunday school once or you're just looking to do God's work in a more equipped and empowered way, we are so glad you are joining us today. I am your host, Joe Epley. Today, we are in the middle of a conversation about rural mindsets, specifically the way that we see the world, um, both positive, negative, and otherwise. You know, we want to be championing rural ministry and and how, you know, what God's put in those churches. But at the same time, we want to maybe look at ourselves with a loving self-criticism and say, hey, how can we improve? How can we continue to do God's work? And then finally, I love talking to leaders, not only who get it, but who uh, can kind of contribute their own nugget of wisdom to the conversation. And so today, to that end, we actually are excited to have Kevin Gear on this podcast. He's a great friend of mine, and he is the leader of Canvas Church, which is an Assemblies of God church in Montana. It's um, as far as, I mean, just numbers for the sake of it, it's a, it's a decently large church when it comes to, you know, the Assemblies of God. But what I love is his heart for the rural church, even as he leads a church that is maybe in a larger area and with a, a larger constituency. And so, Kevin, how are you doing, man? Hey, thank you very much for letting me uh, be able to come on and um, chat with you and share with you. I'm doing good. It's summertime in Montana, so I'm playing hard. It's it's play hard time. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, uh, I just want to kind of dive right into these questions. But first, I definitely want to stop and say, hey, can you explain to those who are listening, maybe a little bit of your background with the rural church, yeah. um, how it impacted where you came from, what you're doing now, and and kind of why you value the rural church? You know, like, why does it matter so much to you? So maybe share that with some of our listeners. Yeah, well, I grew up in rural eastern Montana, town of about 5,000 um, at the boom of it, when the oil, and then the oil went out and it continued to the decline. And my dad was the pastor of a church. So that was in the mid eighties. I grew up there and was part of um, a a world church that really shaped who I was as an individual. I mean, I still read the Glendive Ranger Review, which is the newspaper (laughs) out of Glendive. And I've been gone for over 30 years, but that's dedication. We were were known as the Glendive Red Devils. You know this. I do. Um, Yeah, that's from my neck of the woods. So yeah, so it's it's a town that needs Jesus. But I um, (laughs) so and then you know went to school and did ministry. But I've never I've always had a heart for the rural communities, the rural church. Um, I worked for the network um, of the Assemblies of God in the Northwest Ministry Network. And I worked with rural churches in training pastors and volunteers. I'd go in and do youth and kids volunteer training all the time. And man, that's those are gold people that are giving of their time. Um, there's no S with two lines um, in front of anything they do. They're just serving and um, heart have a heart for ministry. And so I just love, I love the, the core of these people reaching their friends for Jesus. And so I've always loved that. And then my, my brother was a pastor in a rural town. Um, my brother-in-law pastored in a rural town. My uncle pastored in a rural town. My grandpa planted churches all throughout Montana um, in, in, in rural towns. So it is, it is in me. I, I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. So. And, uh, and, and we plant, 
Yeah. In your context right now, you know, you're at obviously a larger church population wise, larger population center, Montana, one of the top seven, not that that's saying much for Montana, but still, you know, there's population there, but uh, how is your church now, even from a larger context, still kind of showing that heart for the rural church? Yeah. Well, you know, the, we we need to, Canvas needs to get its act together because our community has grown. And, and so our church needs to be grown as we're continuing to keep up with the community. Um, but our, our passion and our heart is to create opportunities for people to experience God in a life-changing way, wherever that is. It's, if it's in a, uh, I think Kalispell is considered a microplex. If it's in a microplex or if it's in um, a, a rural community like Cup Bank, a Cup Bank's around 2,000 people. And we planted a church there or, or partnered with a church that became a Canvas church. Um, and I mean, you have to drive two and a half hours to even uh, get to a, 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 not even a mall. You have to drive further for a mall, but um, that, that rural community. Um, and um, so we have a heart for it. We, we plan on planting 12 churches over the next 10 years. And a good portion of them are going to be in rural communities throughout Montana um, as we create these moments for people to experience God. So we're, we, we don't just want to talk about it. Uh, we want to be making a difference and doing it. And that's that's part of who I am. And we want to go do that. Awesome. Well, cool. Now that we're kind of familiar and acquainted with you again, I love bringing voices on this show who, who, again, they get it. You know what I'm saying? They've been there. They have a heart mm-hmm. for it. And they're like, man, they're still reading the Glendive Ranger review. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You bet. <laughs> but, you uh, bet. But, uh, but let's dive into this because I've heard rural described uh, not just as a place you live, but as a way that you see the world. You know, it's mm-hmm. a whole mindset, right? And so we're going to dive into those mindsets. And so we're going to start out with maybe one or two things that you think the rural church kind of inherently has or does well um, that you want to encourage in some of these, these rural pastors. So why don't you dive into to maybe some of those principles that you think a pastor who's in a rural place could just easily tap into based on the fact that this is what rural is, you know? Well, I think one of the things, this is from my upbringing, I was 12 years old. And nobody in my church wanted to do kids, uh, in my dad's church wanted to do kids' ministries. So I started doing children's church at 12 years old. I mean, it was either do that or listen to my dad preach. And I did that all week long. So I said, I'll do. And, and I think one of the things the world church has is it has opportunity to give people that are, are inclined to ministry, want to do that, and give them rope to go. And, um, you know, my dad did that. He gave me rope to go. As a t- and he asked uh, 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 if there was anybody over 18 that would sit in kids ministries with with us. Um, and a lady named Laura Odenbach, who was my Sunday school teacher at the time, said she would sit down there while I led kids church. She'd heard all my dad's sermons, so she was cool with that. <laughs> and um, and that kids ministries grew because of opportunity. And I think there's a mindset that, that um, in fact, I think this was even alluded to in the last podcast when the, the individual that you had on spoke about looking for David's in the field. And I think it's opportunity, the mindset to go, I, I might have not as many as I want sitting in my pews or chairs or in my church, but every one of them is an opportunity to make a difference. And I think creating those moments, I got to, I got to sing. We, we, I, we don't do this much anymore, but um, I got to sing special songs growing up. Like, where do you get that training? If I can put my large church, urban church, microplex church hat on. Sure, sure. It's, I, I want what the world church has often. I want to create platforms for people in my church to learn their gifts and exercise their gifts. But because of certain reasons and, and standards that I have to meet, I don't always... I, I have to create those somewhere else. That's not always on 
a Sunday. Um, and, and I think we lose something and there's a tension to live within, but the world church has an opportunity to give away the others to allow God to stretch them. So I'll, I'm going long on this, but let me just say this. Oh, you're good. I was, I was speaking at a world church conference and I added uh, um, how many people out of my dad's church um, that were pastors because five in the course of seven years, five young men and women became pastors out of that small church in Glendive, Montana. So at this conference, I said, it it was, it was later is in about October of the year. And I said, I want to tell you how many of those pastors, how many people they've spoken to individuals this year, all the way up to October. And it was over a hundred thousand different individuals. So think about this, this little town in Glendive, Montana took the opportunities that they had to give voice to young communicators, to young worship leaders, to young children's pastors. And as they were matured and grown and got opportunity, they leveraged that over the course of the years to come. And then that, by that, the year that I spoke that, it's spoken to over 100,000 different individuals. Wow. It's opportunity. So I love that. I think the church has that. And, um, and they get to provide that coaching and that teaching as those people are developing. Yeah, no, that's some powerful stuff. And uh, speaking of my own, out of my own context too, you know, uh, when I when I moved to uh, my small town, Baker, Montana, town of about twelve hundred, you know, I think back now, um, and I thought, of course, as any young person does, I thought pretty highly of myself and my gifts. You know, I was twenty one and I was ready to take on youth <laughs> ministry, and so I believed yeah. that I was the stuff. You know, but looking back, I'm like, man, somebody gave me like money, keys, privilege, authority, spiritual voice, and like, good for them, you know, like, I'm I'm like, man, I cannot, I cannot imagine necessarily like, like, and just watching that cycle repeat. And and it's true what you said, you know, there's so much opportunity, you know, and and, and viewing the rural church as kind of this center for leadership development, because, because your story about saying this, the Glendive Church produced leaders, the more I think about it, and again, not that, not that we're excluding any size of church, but again, when I look at rural churches across I do see like a strong leadership culture. And I, and I sometimes wonder if like, man, that's just from like, Hey, we, we had to, because, because this is yeah. in front of us it, and what a beautiful picture of the gospel. You know? And you have that opportunity. In fact, um, I'm having to create in our structure at campus right now. I don't have that opportunity. Hmm. So in, we have a meeting on Wednesday that's called our message development team, where we write our messages together for all of our campuses and all that. We just last month, are creating an extra 45 minutes to give young communicators the opportunity to preach in front of our team. Cause I can't do it. I don't have a Sunday night gathering where they yeah. can come do it. I don't, we've, we've lost them. So I've had to create other opportunities to give voice so that they can get feedback, but then they also have opportunity. Um, we're just, we're, we're, we're not playing church We're but we're creating opportunities. And yeah. I think we just have to find new ways to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Where it's well, hey, built into the world church. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I love that. I love highlighting that. Um, well, hey, let's switch gears a little bit on this. Uh, I like to call it the compliment sandwich, you know, because of course we have this good thing about the real church. 
But um, having lived and worked in these communities, you having grown up and then worked with these churches and all these things, uh, we know that that no matter where you're at, there's always blind spots to any context. There's always uh, leadership areas that maybe are not always touched on or done with as much excellence as they could. And so, um, so I kind of want maybe want you to touch base on that. You know, in a loving, yeah. of course, we're coming at this from a loving way, and of course, there's a there's a like I said at the beginning, a loving self criticism where we examine ourselves yeah. and say, hey. What do we need to get out of the way? Because every person has things that are in their heart that just need to move a little bit for God to continue creating effective work. And so in the rural church as a whole, what have you seen on that front? Well, I, I've seen, um, unfortunately, I've run across this too often in the rural communities that I want to address it and fix it. And that is churches are content to stay where they're at. They're not looking to reach more people. Their language will say that. But their actions speak louder than their languages. Mm. Um, I'll give you a quick example. That's yeah, um, absolutely. That happened this year. We there was a church that was struggling to find a pastor. There are twelve people. They're in a small town of about um, about fifteen hundred people, and um, so we were talking with them about maybe them becoming a canvas church, like what happened in Cutbank, Montana, uh, which ran around thirty people for about thirty years, and um, and then became a canvas church. And now in that town of two thousand, they run almost two hundred people. Um, and, and so I was, I was saying, you know, we, we could do, uh, some of this, um, there and here was their response. They loved it, but they didn't want their church to grow and they were content with the size where they were already at. Now that's a rural mentality because uh, we're in, we're in Kalispell. It's the fastest growing microplex in the nation right now. And you know what everybody's fighting about? They don't want it to grow. Because when yeah. things grow, things change. Yeah, when things fair. grow, things like, you know, you, you, you lose the comfortability that you had before. And I think one of the mindsets that is affecting, and this is where I get a little passionate, that is yeah. affecting the mission of God is that we are more content with our preferences, with our preferences than reaching people for Jesus. That's not biblical. In yeah. fact, the Bible speaks the exact opposite on it. When, when, when Jesus, um, when the Pharisees were criticizing Jesus about um, hanging out with sinners, Jesus told them a story. One of the, he told them three stories. One of the stories he told them was the story of the lost sheep. And he said, go out and find the lost sheep. I want to take us to the very end of the very last verse of, of that mindset. Here's what he says. And I, man, if I, I want to put this in the heart of every a rural leader, every rural volunteer, every rural Sunday school teacher, every rural board member. You got to remember this phrase because we're accountable to it. And it's this, it's, there is more joy in heaven over the one that is found than the 99 who stayed righteous. Think of Mm. that. My job is to bring as much joy to heaven as I possibly can. And I think too many world churches are trying to keep 99 people happy at the cost of the one. And Jesus tells us to do it differently. He says, do whatever you can. I'm preaching now. Do whatever no, you it's can. it's good, though. I mean, it's good content. And obviously, you're passionate that, about it. Keep, keep, keep going. Yeah. yeah. Well, it changes the way we think. I, and, and here, does Jesus not care about the 99? He loves the 99. He knows that the 99 will never reach their full potential if they're not engaged in reaching the one. See, that whole wow. concept is there. He loves them so much. He's trying to get them on mission, not try to keep them happy. And I think what happens is um, in, in a world 
community, we already have a mindset against shifting and changing. We want to keep it the way it was. I was in a board meeting once. We were making changes here at Calistana. 65-year-old lady who was on our board named Lorraine. She is gold. She stood up in that board meeting and she looked at these men. Here's what she said. She said to these men, average age of probably 60 to 70 years old on our board. She <laughs> said, guys, don't tell me you don't like change. Because every time you go to the doctor and the older you get, the more often you go, you are thankful for 21st century medicine. She goes, it's not change that you don't want. She goes, you want 21st century medicine. You just want 1960s church. (laughs) Me. That was a great board member right there. Yeah. I was like, you don't even have to work that hard on that one. I mean, she preached it for you. You know what I'm saying? I just like, like, we can vote on anything right now. So here's (laughs) my heart. If we who are in the church world, regardless of where we're located, can have a heart to reach the lost. And look at our gatherings and look at the way we do ministry through that lens. And, and, I, and, I, and to actually see conversion baptisms taking place, to bring joy to heaven, I think that mentality cannot, that is a healthy mentality. We can't be hijacked by staying who we are to keep some happy. We got to let that go. Man, yeah, that's huge. And honestly, like, uh, I can always tell when a rebuke comes from the right place because it's it's it settles in my own spirit. You know what I'm saying? As someone yeah. in these small towns, like I don't I don't take any offense to what you just said. I'm just sitting here going, man, thank you for like this perspective. Because again, yeah. to be challenged, to be on mission, I mean, it's just such a and, and you're right that it is probably the constant fight of any church, any size, anywhere. Is like, what are we doing to stay on mission? And the rural church yeah. is no different. So, man, I love I love that. I love the spirit in which you addressed it in some of those terms. Gosh, that's exciting. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep on trucking here. Um, what? Uh, here's what I always like to do, okay? Because every leader has certain things that just seem to, you know, certain Bible passages that leap off the page to them more than they do to anybody else, or certain philosophies that have almost, you know, guided their whole life, their whole approach to ministry. Mm-hmm. And so maybe could you spend the next few minutes digging into your own personal life and, and maybe sharing with us one of those mindsets that you feel like could bless the rural church that because you, because you've lived it, because it's who you are, you know, yeah. because again, uh, you know, we have you guys on here for a reason. We believe that, that the leaders that we interview and talk to have something to contribute to the kingdom of God. Obviously you're, you're doing it in your context and we'd love to pass that on to others. So maybe share a bit of that nugget of wisdom with us that you think could help rural pastors. Yeah. Well, five come to mind, but I'll only share uh, one. Oh, and I'll probably leak, leak a second one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I, I love, um, I think there's a call once again among um, pastors and leaders to be strong and courageous. So that, that, that the angel of the Lord spoke to Joshua, be strong and courageous and lead, be strong and courageous, know the word, know truth, don't compromise it, don't turn to the right. So I think there, there's, a, there's something there that um, we need courage among pastors and leaders again to make decisions that are hard. That's how you, that's how you reach the lost is we need some, some leaders to have courage to say, I'm, I'm going to take a risk. And, um, and I'm, I'm going to dream a dream that only the Holy Spirit can accomplish. See, the leader's job is to take people where they don't know they want to go. Um, if I were to have asked the church when I moved here, do you want to get rid of the orchestra and the choir and turn down the lights and have haze and have them vote on it? 90% would have said no. But if I was to go to them now and were many, many more people and ask them to vote now, they would all vote on it and say yes, but they wouldn't have voted on it before the change. So I think there takes courage. So I think that's important. That's not what I want to talk about. 
right, here's, the, right, here, here, here's what I want to talk about. I was a children's ministries from 12 until I was until I was in college. And then I was writing my first homiletic sermon. I wrote, I had to write on a character. So I wrote on Stephen. And when Stephen is right before he gets stoned, he's in front of the synagogue of freedom. And he looks up Acts chapter six, seven. He looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And um, that, that's such a, that's such a significant moment because everywhere else in scripture, after Jesus ascends into heaven, he's sitting at the right hand of God, except for that moment. And he says it twice. Look. I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. And this is when the synagogue of freedmen or the, they challenged him and they, or they, they rushed at him and they stoned him. And, um, and then he died just like Jesus father, forgive them. It's powerful. I was writing that sermon at Northwest and um, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Kevin, will you live your life in such a way that at the end of it, I'll give you a standing ovation that you lived for me. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you pastor. It doesn't matter the size of your church. It doesn't matter the community that you're in. At the end of the day, I want to live my life in a way that my Jesus stands for me. So I, that, that's what life to me is all about, is walking in obedience to the one who loves me, to bloom where I'm at and where he has placed me, so that when my time comes, my Jesus stands up for me and does one. I want a slow clap. You know, one of those slow claps. Yeah, yeah I want absolutely. A slow clap absolutely. That, that's what I'm going for. So that, that'd be my wisdom I'd love to encourage you with. Absolutely. And and I love uh, the wisdom you shared because it has absolutely nothing to do with church context, size of community, yeah. numbers. It has everything to do with an attitude and a heart that says, Did I do what you wanted me to do? Did I go where you mm-hmm. wanted me to go? They just that absolute surrendered faithfulness to God, because as we know, I mean, there is, that's the only thing we get judged on. It's the faithfulness of what God asked us to do. And so like, man, what a powerful encouragement. So, well, Hey, Kevin, before we let you go, before we, uh, you know, tune out of this podcast today, um, I know, and I understand that, uh, your church and you personally have got stuff going on resources that people could check out. Do you mind taking a second and we'll include some links in the show notes to this stuff, but I understand that you have a podcast and I understand that your mm-hmm. church has a school of ministry uh, up here in Kansas, yeah. Montana. And so maybe would you want to highlight those for a second? Oh, well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, but let's start with the Kansas uh, school of ministry. We do have a school of ministry. We have over a hundred students that are uh, certified or not certified, but um, trained with Northwest university, but all of the training happens at our campus here in Kalispell, Montana. And it's been great to see raise up children's and youth and, um, psychology degrees and business leaders out of that. So that's been great. Um, Canvas School of Ministry. You can find that at canvas.church. Um, also, I have a podcast that we release uh, once a month called Life and Gear. Um, and it's not a, it's, it's a, it's simply a podcast on how to live life with joy and adventure. And so that's how I want to live life with joy and adventure. Um, in fact, today is my 25th wedding anniversary. Uh-huh. And I woke up my, I woke up my wife this morning and took her on a hot air balloon ride. And she always wanted to do that. So um, that is so incredible. That's so that's a You know, I want to get to 25 years and be able to say I woke my wife up for a hot air balloon ride. Like that's that's right there. That's so that's that podcast talks about how to live life in that way, how to live life with joy and adventure. It's called Life in Gear. You can find it wherever podcasts are at. Um, So but all of that information, just go to canvas.church. And that has all the stuff on it. Perfect. 
Well, cool. Well, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it immensely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, as always, we try and bring you content that not only is spoken to your context as a rural pastor, we want you to feel seen, heard, and valued. But you know that the people uh, sharing that with you are going to be right there with you, sharing that heart for seeing God's work done well in small, out-of-the-way places. So until you tune in next week, I am Joe Epley, your host. Thank you again, Kevin Gear, for jumping on. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we'll uh, see you later.